It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. I would tell them to stop bullying kids. It's fine if you don't want to wear a mask. I was just thinking, I don't know if I should take it off or leave it on because the governor, it's my right to have my mask on. His mother tells him to wear the mask. I tell him it's his choice. He made that choice, and the governor has no right to tell no kid or no one who they can or can't wear a mask. He doesn't have that right. So that was the comment from both Ron DeSantis. You, you could, he, he snaps on these kids about wearing a mask because I guess it goes against the agenda he's trying to push, and then... One of the dads is like, stop bullying my kid. I actually, I think he's fortunate now. No one would ever get to the governor. I guess it's not like Nevada. Um, I actually think he's really fortunate that there wasn't a parent there. Because, I don't know, man. Back in the day, and she's still little, and she was little. My mother, if some guy started yelling at me at 15 years old about something, I, I think she would have charged the stage, Candy. This is, it's so, it's so weird with Riverboat Ron, because he's yelling at kids who aren't processing the, the COVID theater. Like, you're the one who seems really frustrated with your COVID theater. Because you heard him. He gets he gets up to the dais, and he's like, <sighs> like, bruh, they're masks. What are you doing? And this was some event he was speaking at at uh, University of South Florida, and he's getting all worked up. I don't know, man. It's a weird deal. Cofield, he got exactly what he wanted. And frankly, had your mom charged that stage, she would have gotten yep. ten times what oh, he I, wanted. But here's he got, the thing: you you think that was plan? I think that was a genuine moment of frustration where he lost he lost a bit of control. Doesn't that matter. wasn't a play? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it was or not. The outcome of it is the same. The outcome of it is that the people that Ron DeSantis wants to speak to want to hear him doing that. They want to hear that. They Good want point. to hear him keeping it up. And the more people fight against it the more he wins. Because if COVID really does die down, then he loses his best political issue with the people that he wants to support him. You can't have DeSantis 2024 without COVID. All right, what's the next step now in the NFL? Well, the next step in the NFL is that there is no next step. Essentially, the NFL and the NFLPA have now agreed to drop all of their COVID-19 protocols uh, they say based on the uh, the movement of Omicron, cases going down, hospitalizations going down. Whether it's right or wrong, uh, obviously depends on your perspective on the whole thing. It's definitely the trend nationally. It's definitely the trend here in Nevada that we've seen that mass mandates are going away. Obviously, the uh, the NFL had much stricter COVID protocols in place in terms of testing, etc. Look, you can look at it one of two ways. You can either say yes, the trend is downward. Or you can look at it and say the point we're at right now, hospitalizations among vaccinated people and cases among vaccinated people are still higher than they were at the beginning of the NFL season. There's not nearly as much risk without the teams being together. Um, what's interesting to me is that we're still kind of moving up toward the draft here. We're still at a place where you're going to have a lot of the staff meeting and being in tight quarters, getting ready for the draft. So. You know, I think what ultimately happens here is that the NFL and the NFLPA have to be ready, depending on what happens going forward, to go back to right. having the protocols in place, and that's going to be hard for a lot of people to stomach. Kind of weird timing on this one that they're lifting most of the protocols. Ten days ago, they wanted to put draft prospects in bubbles. 
and look at the pushback they got about that and look how quickly they had to be able to move away from that because they can sense the wins on this with people the same way everybody else can. Look, it's March 2020, right? We're almost at the two-year anniversary of Rudy Gobert, and people are done, and that's not different than the NFL. Well, I liked your point earlier about DeSantis because he speaks to a base, and he's been really effective. You know, I was just thinking back to last summer. I made a, a road trip, you know, slash vacation. I don't know why it's a road trip, but a vacation in Newport Beach. And I think, is it Balboa Island that's uh, adjacent? I think that's what it is. Um, and I actually remember on a lot of the houses, several of the houses, there were actually DeSantis signs in Southern California. Like, okay. His message is being embraced by some. Uh, others don't like him, right? Others don't like him. So speaking of uh, being despised by some, I saw a very unscientific, or as the, uh, the person called it, a semi-scientific Twitter study, looking at the most despised people in and around the NFL. And this was based on social media. Who do you think is at the very top? Could be players, owners, coaches, or personalities around the NFL. Who is the most despised person NFL-related? Oh, after this season, it's got to be Mr. Panchakarma himself, Aaron Rodgers. It is. Yeah, I win. It is. I win. The rest of the list. Uh, Antonio Brown is next. Bill Belichick still has a lot of might. He's third. Odell Beckham. He's fourth. Deshaun Watson. Fifth. Sixth on the list, Candy, is Mahomes. Jackson Mahomes. Patrick's brother. I know you love all the stories about good old Jackson. Well, I call him Jacksmo. Is that right? Ja- yeah, Jacksmo. Yeah, me and Jacksmo are pretty tight. Um, he he is actually the reason that I got on TikTok. Spoiler alert: I didn't actually get on TikTok. Now, fourth on that list is Odell Beckham Jr., and that's the one man that just runs right out at me. Someone tell me what Odell Beckham Jr. did wrong. What is it that Odell Beckham Jr. did that that is annoying people? What he didn't like having to deal with Baker Mayfield? Ask Jarvis Landry how he's feeling about that these days. He might still be there. He just didn't get to leave. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't do anything wrong. And anybody who's going out there being negative about him is, so, oh, God, I hate this word, but I'm going to bring it out because it's the only thing that fits. You're a hater. Not moving on yet. Jack's Mo. That yes. was for Jack Mo. Yes. Transition back to Jackson Mahomes. A headline in the New York Post today. The media. Is destroying my life. Buddy, it's the natural step two. This is this formula has been executed so well, so many times. I love, I love being the media. We are the media, Cofield, and we are when you've got no enemies left, you've always got the media. You've got the people that hate the media. And that's why guys like Riverboat Ron and Jacksmo are always going to have a convenient foil with people like uh, people like you and me. Instagram story on Friday, quote, I hate the media slash news. It's destroying my life. Second selfie post because one's not enough. 
broken slash sad slash disrespected. Uh, someone had posted. <laughs> someone reposted that selfie and said, laugh my ass off. It's crazy. Pat Mahomes didn't invite his brother, Jackson, to his bachelor party. Do we have confirmation on that? Was Jackson not in any of the pictures? I feel like you got the wrong guy on today. You probably need uh, a rush to, to what's going on around Vegas like that. You Jackson love Jackson Mahomes stories. I try to feed them to you every show. I understand. And Don't listen, hold back. Listen, look, Jackson and Britt don't run everything by me. They, don't, like, they, they didn't say to me, hey, do you think it's okay if we spray champagne on the fans in Kansas City after we win a big playoff game? They didn't ask me. And I would have said to them, just not the good stuff. By the way, Brittany, I know you're asking. Brittany Matthews also made the list. She's in the top 20. Bobby Kraft, Bobby Kraft is actually number 20. Zeke Elliott's 19. Dick Sherman is 18. Then there's Brittany Matthews. By the way, I would like to just go back for a second to the fact that Deshaun Watson who is accused of sexually assaulting women, is behind Odell Beckham Jr. in terms of hated. We got those priorities on fleek. Enjoy Bud Light, Budweiser, and Michelob Ultra for just 77 cents during all NFL games. Get the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Webster comes to set a pick. Bryce drifts to his left. Back to the right. Stops and pops for three. And Bryce knocks it down. 56-50. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Fun times around college basketball. We got tourney season beginning here. We always say tournament week, but it's really tournament weeks because we have the women on the ground for multiple conferences. That's already started up. Pac-12 in town next week. You hear... Bryce Hamilton from UNLV with a 15-point effort last night as UNLV beats Wyoming Mountain West Conference Tournament. coming up in just a little bit. But one of the voices of the Pac-12, Roxy Bernstein, nice enough to join. Cofield, Candy, get us ready for what's going to happen next week in the men's bracket. And really, a lot's happened the last couple weeks since we talked to you, Roxy. What's going on, buddy? Steve, how are you? Uh, we're good. We're good. I, I, you know, I just took like a sigh because it's really hard to do radio. But I was actually <laughs> catching my breath from pitching all these tournaments because I freaking I love what's coming down here. And man, the the drama the last couple weeks in the Pac-12. I, I think some of the questions have been answered. Arizona is now a clear fave. Although you know the one blip on their schedule, I, I don't know what the hell happened to Colorado. You know. Colorado's a tough place to play, as you know. You're dealing with altitude. They have a lot of success at home over the years. You look at Tad Boyle's record. Look, am I surprised that Arizona lost that game? Yes, I am. Because to me, they're far and away the best team in the Pac-12. I think UCLA is outstanding. I think USC is very good. And we saw what Arizona did to USC just a couple of nights ago. But I I think that's one blip on the radar for Arizona where – it seemed that they responded in convincing fashion just to let everybody know, hey, this is still our league. We had a slip-up. I wouldn't expect this to uh, linger with us very often, for very long. You mentioned UCLA, and the ceiling for that team, I think, is the question that I have for you, Roxy, because we know what the heights that they reached last year, and we know all of the injury challenges that they've had throughout this season. Is it just a matter of the injuries holding back UCLA from whatever that potential is, or is there something else there with that team? 
I think that's part of it is the injuries, but the other part is, to me, defensively, they haven't been as good. And I think they've been really good at home on the defensive end. But I, I don't think that it's been consistent with them, especially when they've gone on the road. And that's a concern for me for UCLA moving forward. Um, look, they have one more regular season game. They're going to play SC Saturday night at home, and I'll be there for that one. Um, and then we're heading to Vegas, and everybody's going to be out there. And I think for me, the key factor is, yes, UCLA has got to get healthy. It's questionable if they'll have Johnny Juzang on Saturday night because he's dealing with an ankle issue. But for me, I want to see defensively, can they get back to the level they were at? They've done it at times this year, but they need to do it more consistently. And if they're going to make another deep tournament run like they did last year with the improbable first four to the final four, that's going to have to start on the defensive end. What's happened in that series to the Bruins against USC? You know, USC has had their number. And the last, I don't think Mick Cronin has not beaten USC since he has been at UCLA. So I, I think that's an important thing for him, that he'd like to get off the schneid in that category and just get that monkey off his back because all he's been hearing, hey, you haven't beaten USC. And USC is, is playing the good basketball other than the other night. They win close games. They defend. Um, I'd like to think that it was an aberration for them as how much they were dominated by Arizona in that game. But this is going to be huge. It looks like the number two seed will be on the line. Uh, as far as the Pac-12 tournament goes, both teams are playing for seeding in the NCAA tournament. I think USC would love to try to move up. Uh, Joe Lenardi, I believe, has them on the sixth line as latest bracketology. I, they'd love to move up to a five, maybe even a four. UCLA is hovering around the four line. So it's a big game Saturday night in a lot of, in a lot of ways for both teams, and they love that momentum heading toward T-Mobile Arena in the Pac-12 tournament. Roxy, it could be pretty wild here at T-Mobile in terms of who can make noise in this tournament. Maybe not against Arizona, but leading up to facing a team like Arizona. Um, who do you think is a dark horse that we can expect to pop up? Is it a Washington State that maybe isn't, uh, doesn't have the record but certainly has the numbers? Even Arizona State sitting you know, in eighth in the conference right now is one of the best Ken Palm defensive metrics in the country. Well, if Arizona State could avoid the 8-9 game, and if that means, look, they're going to have to beat Cal and Stanford this weekend to be able to do it, and they're going to need some help, but Arizona State is a scary team. Now, if they're stuck in Arizona's bracket, that's a problem. But if they could somehow be on the other side, they have the triple overtime win against UCLA. They played a tight one down to the wire against USC. You talked about their defense. The biggest thing for Arizona State is they've been making shots recently. And then Marion Jackson, the transfer who was the MAC player of the year last year, has finally found a little bit of a rhythm offensively. Jalen Graham has been playing great for them. If they can avoid the 8-9 game, that's a dangerous team that I don't want to see in my bracket where I'm matched up against them in the Pac-12 tournament because of the way they're playing. Who's the player who's going to surprise this year? Who's the player that the country really hasn't had a look at that Ooh. might have that kind of tournament? See, so we know, I mean, the Arizona guys we know, right? Benedict right. Matherin is probably going to be Pac-12 player of the year. But he's not a solo act, obviously. You look at Christian Coloco, who's had just a breakout season. Julius Tabellis for Arizona. Kirk Kreisa has been playing much better recently. 
We're familiar with the UCLA guys. The, the USC guys are a bit intriguing. Drew Peterson is a guy that can do a lot of things. Isaiah Mobley, believe it or not, Evan Mobley's older brother, is still at USC. Um, he's in the top ten in the Pac-12 in scoring, rebounding, and assists. So if USC is going to make some noise, Isaiah Mobley needs to emerge from the shadow of his brother, and he could be that guy that people are talking about because of his versatility. Well, one of the other big stories, and we're talking to Roxy Bernstein getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament here in town over at T-Mobile, Pac-12.com slash tickets to get your tickets. And the men's tourney goes uh, the 9th to the 13th, so starting next Wednesday through Sunday. One of the other big stories is Oregon. And, you know, looking back at Dana Altman's track record there, I mean, what are we looking at here? Uh, eight of the last nine years they made the NCAA tournament. Those are simply the expectations, but they've lost four or six recently. Um, they've got a game coming up tonight. I mean, really, the rest of the way, Washington, Washington State, they gotta, they got to win these games because their net ranking sitting down at 59 right now has them as the first four out. The, the problem for them, Steve, this year is how inconsistent they've been. Yeah. And normally, as you alluded to, Dana Altman's teams trend upward come February, March, and they're playing their best basketball of the year. It's been an uneven ride, and this group, for whatever reason, and Oregon just hasn't gelled like his previous teams. Now, they had the huge road trip in January. That's what sparked this run they've been on, that they swept the L.A. schools on the road, UCLA in overtime, USC. But then you're, you're scratching your head going, what the heck happened there? I mean, they got blown out at home by Cal, right? Cal went on a 24 to nothing run in that game, and Oregon was never within single digits the rest of the night. So they have the ability to also lay an egg like that. Um, they could have really helped themselves out this past Saturday night, had the heartbreaking loss, losing to SC by one at home, 70-69. You win that game, all of a sudden you go from on the outside of the bubble to on the inside. And so now I, I think for Oregon, they have two regular season games to go. They're on the road tonight, Washington. They play at Washington State Saturday. They have to win both. And they also have to pay attention to what's going on with the other bubble teams, whether it's the West Coast Conference, right, USF and, and BYU, who are the WCC tournament starts today at Orleans Arena. Um, they just need to hope that there's not some bubble, uh, some bid stealers from smaller leagues, where a team, for example, like Murray State, if they get upset in their tournament or in the Missouri Valley, you need Loyola Chicago to win it. So Oregon – the thing that they need to do is just win some games. And if they win, I think, these final two regular seasons, then win their first game in Vegas, I think they'll be in a good spot as far as the tournament goes. Because you look at the bubble this year, it's a soft bubble. It is a weird dynamic in terms of, like, North Carolina's on the bubble. North Carolina has one quad one win. and But yet people are just looking at them like they should be in the field. That's the one I don't get for me. I think San Diego State, for example, the other night with that win um, against Wyoming, I think they solidified themselves in the field. But then again, you're all going to be nervous on Selection Sunday when you're on the bubble until you see your name called. Yep. So outside the market, I think this is interesting. I, I don't, you know, I think people know that there's tournaments here, but I don't think they realize that like every Western oh and Mountain Time Zone is here now, right? We've got Big West. You just yes. mentioned West Coast Conference, Mountain West, Pac-12. WAC actually has some really interesting teams going about 
six deep. So the competition at all these conferences is going to be intense. Uh, you cover the Pac-12. I know you do Mountain West. You pay attention to that as well. I'll just throw it out there, and you can use any metric you want. Which conference okay. is no? Which conference is the best basketball conference this year in the West? Is it definitely the Pac-12? I think with the depth to the league, yes. Now, if you look at the tops of the leagues, for example, like I'd put the WCC teams at the top right there with the Pac-12, right? right, right. You're talking about Gonzaga. You're talking about St. Mary's and USF, BYU. Well, you know, you got Arizona's right there with the Zags, UCLA, SC. probably have a little bit of an edge with the top teams in the Pac-12, but I wouldn't say by much. And the Mountain West, I think that there's four teams that are deserving to go. But when it still comes to top to bottom, I think the Pac-12, even though some of the records of the bottom, you're scratching your head. For example, Oregon State. Oregon State went to the Elite Eight last year. Oregon State right now has lost, what, 15 in a row? They're 3-25. and 25. This is a team that still has three starters from a team that went to the Elite Eight last year. So that goes to show you, look, it's been a miserable season for Wayne Tinkle and Oregon State. And we saw what they did when they won the Pac-12 tournament last year. But I think that goes to show you just the depth and the strength of the conference when you have an Elite Eight team from a year ago that's the last place team in the conference this year. Let's close on this one. I've been throwing this out to all our basketball people, you know, especially folks who cover basketball in the West. Next five years, you know, Final Fours, National Championships, which program is the most dangerous, you know, can be consistent, still has some upside? Gonzaga, UCLA, or Arizona? That's a good question. Yeah, because I'd like to see, okay, what's next for Tommy Lloyd, right, with a talent at Arizona? He inherited an unbelievable group from Sean Miller, right, with Azulis Tabellis, Benedict Matherin, Christian Coloco, Kirk Creesa. Those are all Sean's guys still. And Tommy's been quick to praise Sean, knowing how full the cupboard was when he took over. Umar Balo, Pella Larson, they transferred in. I think on the track record, you have to give the edge right now to Gonzaga, the, the consistency that Mark Pugh has had in recent years. Look, UCLA is UCLA, right? It's one of the Blue Bloods. UCLA has got more national championships than anybody. But, okay, after this year, what's going to happen <laughs> with the Bruins? They have some good recruits coming in. Yep. The transfer portal changes the, the landscape, too. So at this point, Steve, I, I got to give the edge to Gonzaga just because of Mark Few's consistency. Right, but then you start—you know—you can go round and round when you start debating this because all three have incredible, no incredible upside, no incredible question. pressure. It's—I uh, mean, I, the, the cool thing is, and you're a West Coast guy, and I'm a transplanted, uh, you know, Northeasterner to the West. But Candy and I are both from the Northeast. We've both been here for whatever 25, 30 years. So I think, in the end, we're West Coast people now. I like to see these programs do well. I like to see the region's players stay at home, and I think we're in for. A potential renaissance here in the next five seven years, and it's not just the top teams. You got you have a lot of good coaches now um, in all of these conferences. So this this is really kind of I'll be cheesy and say a glorious time for college basketball in the West. But I think it's going to be okay, Bill Walton. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to warm you up. I'm, I'm not going to go that crazy, but uh, you know, well, you you are warming me up for Saturday. But it, that's like Bill like going to Joe Lenardi, right? <laughs> well, how come all twelve teams in the Pac twelve right, aren't right, in? Right, right. But look, it's. It, we're, it's an interesting time, certainly in the landscape of college basketball. And not just in college basketball, but college athletics because of NIL and the way the whole landscape is changing. Yep. Yep. But it's great that 
look, there's still the excitement that's driving everybody toward championships. Yes, there's some individuality more so now because of NIL opportunities. But, look, I'm so jacked to come to Vegas next week. As you lose, the Pac-12 tournament's going to be there, the Mountain West. The WCC starts tonight. The Big West is going to be there, the WAC. The only holdout is the Big Sky. I mean, what's their problem? Everybody else is coming <laughs> right. to Vegas. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Like, come on, Big Sky. Let's go. Let's, let's get, Ooh. you know, Southern Utah and Northern Arizona and Portland State and Montana into, into Vegas. Shots fired at the city of Boise from Roxy Bernstein. You heard it here first. I like it. I like it. Roxy, we appreciate all the time you spent with us. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. You got it, boys. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Great broadcaster on the games. Good sports talk host as well. Roxy Bernstein. Tickets for T-Mobile. And, by the way, the women are in town playing at Mandalay Bay. They've already started. Uh, our buddy Willard Ramirez is going to check in with us tomorrow from over at Mandalay around the women's tournament, but uh, Pac-12.com slash tickets. The tournament's going down at T-Mobile. I, I, I want to build on that for one second, Candy, on a couple of things. I don't think you've been on a show. I've used this question repeatedly. On the Gonzaga-UCLA-Arizona next five years, what happens? You're just asking me best, best seen success for the program. Yep. Who has the chance to win, you know, make most Final Fours and, and win a national championship or two? Gonzaga, 100%, and it's not all that close. And it's not because of just the Gonzaga program. It's because of the path. Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference will not be challenged, and they're going to continue to rack up wins. And whatever mental block people have against Gonzaga in the polls for the way they play in the WCC, they're past it. And so if Gonzaga is going to continue to be rated the way that it is and play the kind of non-conference schedule that it does – then they're in as good a shape as anybody, and I'll put one asterisk on it, as long as Mark Few wants to keep coaching. Well, that was a good touche. Because mine's Arizona, but I'm getting you know real giddy over Tommy Lloyd and the way he's coached this team, and it was loaded. But I also factor in, I, and I like what you're saying there, that you know Gonzaga, of all the teams, is not going to get as beat up during the conference season as teams uh, in the Pac-12, like Arizona and UCLA. But I do think it's a really good sign for Arizona that they got Kylan Boswell. Uh, point guard who I think will probably reclassify to uh, the 2022 class. And UNLV was in on him. And so was Illinois. And by the way, I from what I heard, Boswell, maybe 50-50 on this one. They were trying to get him to the UNLV game against Boise. And it didn't work out. So they were trying to get him for one last chance, but uh, he didn't come out for the game. That said, encouraging that UNLV got involved in a guy like that. He's the number 13 player in the country in the 2023 class. Uh, kind of a, a squatty, powerful point guard who I think is going to play really well for Arizona. And uh, the other benefit is he's not a gigantic guy. He's not a 6'4", 6'5", dude. So you could, that's the kind of guy you could have around for three or four years. So I think that's a big deal. And, you know, I'll say it to you. I've said it a couple of times. To me, Tommy Lloyd is basically – he has a chance with, for me, a better area to recruit to and a better conference to recruit to, to recruit just like Mark Few, right? The resources are there. The international market can be mined. And I think you're, you are going to see freaking battles on a lot of players in the West between Gonzaga and UCLA now. So keep this in and, mind. And Arizona, I'm sorry. Keep this in mind. They're going to yeah. recruit nationally because that's the way they want to do this. Yeah. If you want Tommy Lloyd to stay at Arizona – and take a real hard look at what Hubert Davis does at North Carolina. 
take a real hard look at what comes next at Duke because you're going to have a couple of blue blood programs that used to have the kind of coach that you could never get rid of at right, those schools. Right, right, right. It ain't like that anymore. There are some blue bloods who are going to be looking for help. And if Tommy Lloyd does this in Arizona, you might have Chapel Hill or Raleigh knocking on the door. Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. The MVP in the league for me right now at this moment would be one John Morant. And it is absolutely going to be a race to the finish. I think that there is credence for the idea that James Harden's addition to the Philadelphia 76ers will weaken the argument that Joel Embiid has for MVP. Right now in this fluid conversation, you have to give the nod to Ja. Ja, 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 Ja Morant. 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 You got me grinning and a crying and grinning and a real Ja Morant. Ja, 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 Ja Morant. I feel like this is the the Heisman campaign. We're getting promotional material for folks in the race for the MVP in the National Basketball Association. We'll get to John Moran here in just a second. Time to give away. Let's do it here. How about a qualifier for the ACM Awards? Uh, Porta Subs is celebrating 50 years as your neighborhood sandwich shop. Call in now. Caller 7. You win a six-foot Porta Sub sandwich, and you qualify to get two tickets, potentially get two tickets to the ACM Awards. It's coming up on Monday at Allegiant Stadium. You can uh, grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Call our 736-4100. 20 live performances. The 57th ACMs are hosted by Dolly Parton, Jimmy Allen, Kane Brown, Jason Aldean, Marin Morris, Chris Young. They're all playing many more. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100. Don't forget, you can get your own Port-A-Sub sandwich, tailgate tray, lots of other goodies at any of the 20 Port-A-Subs in the Las Vegas area. Candy, you're an old soul. Sometimes Ari will just say you're old and a nerd. Uh, You seem to be very much into the John Moran song. Baburan. I just want to see Ari getting upset that I'm singing instead of actually talking on the air. Oh, he's dancing. He's dancing. Oh, my eyes might not recover. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that little John Moran, Bob Moran song. That's my, that's my childhood. My, I mean, not that I grew up with it on the radio or anything, but that's why I remember being played in the house. On what, the oldie station? Or did your parents uh, have yeah. records? Uh, no. Oh, God. I remember the first CD player we got. It was like halo of light coming off the thing when it came into the house. Unbelievable. You know where we got it? You know where we got it? Only you East Coasters can appreciate this. Crazy Eddie. Which now evokes bad memories. Well, you know. Because <laughs> that thing went down in flames. A little late. But they were great late commercials. On that one. Yeah. A little late on that one. By the way, we talked about the ACMs. How old is Dolly Parton, Cofield? You know this? Um, I mean, of all people who would know it, it, it would be me. Yes, that's why I'm asking um, you in particular. I will go, and I'm not looking it up, I will go 74 with no smart-ass remark about the age of her uh, her bosom. Mm-hmm. Well done. 
well done. Yeah, I appreciate your restraint there. Uh, she is she's seventy six. Come on, she's seventy six. Yep. Modern the, medicine. De- yep. Demo. The demo is strong, Steve. The demo is strong. God Almighty. Yeah, she looks great. That's it. So we're leaving it right there. She looks great. And then I just went into my imaginary world. I was giving you that time because I realized yeah, she, this you, is special you, for you. You know, I needed to enjoy and then decompress in a, huh? a split second. Yeah, yeah, warm over you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about the young guys in the NBA. John Morant. What do you think of Monica, uh, Monica McNutt there saying that uh, we could – are we splitting votes? Or are there, are there MVP voters who are going to be like, well, Embiid's just not as good as he was. Now Harden's taking all the pressure off him. Will Harden actually hurt Embiid's chances? you buy that? I want to first give the positive spin on this. Like, I want to okay. give a shout-out because I saw Monica, Monica McNutt on TV the other night. Fashion game on point. Well done, Monica McNutt. I thought she looked uh, like she had the fashion thing all on lock. Now on the John Morant take, um, you can reasonably argue four or five guys this year. But the idea that Harden is going to take away from Embiid uh, no, because Embiid is the whole reason that the Sixers can succeed in the first place. If you brought in Harden and there was no Embiid, you wouldn't look at Harden and say, well, you know, MVP candidate is lifting up the team. No, you need both guys. Embiid carried them to this point. He carried them all by himself. I like Tyrese Maxey. I like Tobias Harris. I like Matthias Tybul. Those are not players on the caliber of what Memphis is throwing out there around John Morant. Even just take a guy like Dylan Brooks, like Desmond Bain. Those are players who are forming in a whole core around John Morant. Now, you look at what's going on with the 76ers, and Bede has kept that thing going by himself. And if you want to argue another player who's doing the same, you argue Jokic. You don't argue Morant. Are you completely surprised by the developments of the last couple years with John Morant as good as he is and Zion Williamson simply not playing? Yeah, I am. All right. As good as Ja is? No, not at all. Look, how many other number two picks out of Murray State have you ever seen? Like People knew. There's no surprise in how good John Morant is. The surprise is that Zion at this point is either – eating his way out of the NBA, not working his, out his way out of the NBA, or both. Because right now, I don't understand what the plan is with Zion from his own camp. I don't really get what the play is. There was a time where both my delusion and my conspiracy theory nature said, well, he's just pushing himself to New York. He wants to play in the Garden. Because I need to believe that. I need that as a Knicks fan with the season that they're having right now in 12th place in the East. But right now, he's not playing for anybody. I don't get what's going on with Zion. I am shocked by what's going on with Zion because we saw the success. We saw him come in and be ready to be the next unicorn of the NBA. And right now, it's much more corn than unicorn. I'm going to draw a loose parallel because uh, you just mentioned something that doesn't make this a, a, the perfect comparison. Uh, but I just want to mention outside forces. And I'll draw the parallel between well, the line between Baker Mayfield and Zion Williamson. And what I mean here is that I think both guys are in a position because they got so much so soon, especially from an advertising deal standpoint, that now they're in a position where they simply won't listen to others 
maybe outside of their inner circle. Now, I don't think Baker can ever be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Zion Williamson probably can be in shape a top 10 player in the NBA, but I think they both got overwhelmed with all the fame and fortune and all the side stuff. And they've got people around them who aren't telling them no. I mean, Zion Williamson, to be in this position, listen, it's one thing to be injury prone. It's another to exacerbate the situation by being grossly overweight. Um, you've also got a market that is dying for a star. Brandon Ingram is a good player, right? In New Orleans, you also got a, a market that's kind of fed up with them already. I, did you see this Mardi Gras float the other day? So there was a float at a Mardi Gras parade. The float was or it featured donuts. What was the other little graphic here? I'm looking at the float now. Supersized. And then what appears to be a fat dude in a basketball uniform. And it doesn't say Zion. It says one ton. Big belly. Not good. Also, from from the big-bellied individual, I'm hungry. And it actually does specifically say Zion contract, all kind of like stretched out and big. Now, I'm not saying all of Pelicanville feels that way, but, man, that's a fall from grace. That's a pretty rapid fall from grace. The only way that I can draw the best wedge between your argument about Baker and Zion is that, yes, maybe too much too fast. One guy was the overall world-beating, obvious number one pick of all number one picks. The physical talent to not only be a top ten player in the NBA, a healthy Zion Williamson would, within, what, three years of normal growth path, be one of the top two or three players in the NBA? He's that physically talented. He's that good at the game. But Baker Mayfield never had that level of talent. And Zion Williamson, it's hard to watch. It is because you've got a combination of the injury-prone nature, which we saw early from a guy like Steph Curry, right? We looked at Steph Curry with all the ankle problems and said, can he ever really reach the ceiling? Well, Steph Curry fixed the ankle problems, and here he is as maybe the greatest player of his generation. And now you have Zion Williamson, who isn't even on the court and might not be for quite a long time, blowing up the hopes of all NBA fans at the moment. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. We don't have anybody that's head and shoulders above the crowd this year like last year, but there are about eight teams that are title favorites or prohibitive favorites, and Duke's in that group of eight. And they're they're a solid. If they weren't to win another game, they'd be a two-seed in the tournament. If they win out, they'll be a one. And uh, they're as good as anybody, but they can be beaten too. And North Carolina is good enough to beat them. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Jay Billis on the way back. I feel like last year we really didn't have anyone who was head and shoulders above everyone else. I'd have to look back at the odds. Was Gonzaga that much of a favorite? Did that many people think Baylor would go to the finals and then smash Gonzaga? Because I don't remember any of that. None of it at all, huh? I don't. None of it at all with those two being prohibitive? Well, I thought they were favorites. Uh, I don't think they were, in my mind, any bigger favorites than some of the good teams this year. So, I mean, I think, Arizona, like- I think Arizona and Gonzaga um, can be, Gonzaga this year, can be as dominant as some of the expectations for those teams a year ago. I mean, look, I, I felt very fortunate 
when Baylor had a little struggle in the Big Twelve to grab a six to one, and and you know that to there come home at the end of the year. There you go, six but to one. Like that, like six to one. Like you're not talking about a prohibitive. But once you get to where Gonzaga and Baylor were, I mean, they were up in the twos for for most of that time. Plus, you know, two fifty, two seventy five. Like they were pretty clearly head and shoulders, but they sure as hell weren't. Oh, forget it. Call off the tournament, uh, UNLV style ninety one. No, not like that. Uh, come on down here. Silver 7s, you can check out the Sterling Spoon Cafe, get your A-Play card, and then you're in for some of the food specials like 7 Jumbo Shrimp Cocktail for seven seventy seven, Rack of Ribs with the Fries or the New York Strip. Steak Dinner for seventeen seventy seven. Can I tell you a really quick story? Because you know how much we love mentioning Big Chicken. Who's more powerful, Big Chicken or President Biden? What's going on with the chicken prices? Is it Biden's fault like everything else? Or... Is it Big Chicken set us up with all the juicy sandwiches from all the different places and wing mania for five years? And then at the end of all this, Big Chicken's like, we got them where we want them. Here we go. Skyrocket the prices. Jack them up. I was at a bar in Las Vegas, not to be named, off hour, like nobody else in the place, not like it's rush hour, and I wanted a quick bite to eat. And this particular bar has a lovely lovely wing set 10 of them 15 dollars for 10 wings and you know what they have me so hooked that i paid it and they were delicious and they still got 15 bucks out of me for less than a dozen wings a dollar 50 a wing means that big chicken owns me president biden doesn't own me but big chicken owns my happy self that's probably his fault um, I'm going to uh, trump you on this one. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. I hit a restaurant, and suddenly I had a decision to make. They had a New York strip at this place for $21. They had eight chicken wings for eighteen ninety-five. Oh, come on! Big chicken. Big chicken. You better be serving me all drums and I better be able to get unlimited <laughs> blue cheese poured down my throat. I don't even want to have to dip them the wings myself. Big chicken, you got us. Enjoy Bud Light, Budweiser, and Michelob Ultra for just 77 cents during all NFL games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.